Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Man, what should the New Jersey Devils do with Damon Severson, Jimmy VC, Pavel Zaka, Ty Smith, Andreas Janssen, PK Subban, and Mackenzie Blackwood come this offseason? Boy, I'm just out of breath of listing them. We have a lot to talk about in this episode. Buckle up. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. And before we talk about the New Jersey Devils and their offseason and my opinions on all that good stuff, just give me a moment or two to rant about ESPN and how they've been handling their terrible broadcasts with the National Hockey League because they were back at it once again. So, If you guys didn't see, the Dallas Stars and the Carolina Hurricanes were playing in a game. It was late in the third period, and Dallas had a penalty shot. And what did ESPN decide to do? They decided to go to a commercial break before the penalty shot occurred. And when they came back from a commercial break, the penalty shot was already over. And albeit, the Dallas Stars did end up missing that shot, so it didn't alter the score. But it still doesn't exonerate from the fact that ESPN decided to take a commercial break at the wrong possible time. You do not take a commercial break before a potential turning point of a game. That's like uh, going to a commercial break when there's bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth, and, you know, albeit maybe the hitter doesn't get the run in, but still it doesn't exonerate from the fact that you would not take a commercial break at that possible moment. Or you don't take a commercial break when the game's on the line in a basketball uh, matchup and maybe the score is tied and someone is up to shoot one or two free throws. You don't take a commercial break because that could potentially be a turning point. Albeit maybe that player does miss those free throws and it doesn't alter the score, but it doesn't change the fact that that could have potentially been an alter and a turning point of the game. So that is just a terrible way to handle your broadcast. And I'm very disappointed with how ESPN has been handling hockey so far this season. Like I said, this has nothing to do with the New Jersey Devils, but I just saw it on Twitter and I just had to rant about it because it goes back to what I said a couple weeks ago in which ESPN needs to do a better job of broadcasting hockey because they've been given a gift and they're not capitalizing on that gift. Airing all the games on ESPN Plus is not going to do it for me. It's just not. It's not going to do it for a lot of hockey fans. That's doing the bare minimum. There's so much more you could be doing. And that example of just taking a commercial break before the penalty shot occurred, and it was late in the third period, it was a tie game, potential turning point. This is not like a movie or a TV show where you basically could stop the show, do your commercials, and then pick up right where you left off on a cliffhanger or whatever the case might be, and your audience is still engaged. This is sports. This stuff happens live. So you need to be in the moment when stuff like that happens. You do not take a commercial break before something like that. That's just poor communication between the production staff. So once again, ESPN, please do better. And like I said moments ago, this has nothing to do with the Devils. I just had to rant about it because I felt like it was too important not to talk about. Okay, so let's talk about the offseason for the New Jersey Devils. I get it. It's a little too early to be talking offseason, but since the New Jersey Devils didn't do anything at the trade deadline, I figured, you know, why not just talk about what they could do 
uh, come the offseason, which will be in a few weeks for us because our season is almost over. So prior to the trade deadline, the New Jersey Devils had a couple of these players appear on trade blocks. I've talked to Christy Flannery. I've talked to Jersey Joe. I've talked to Neil from Devil State of Mind podcast. And I've had a discussion with all three of those Devils personalities about their overall opinions as to what the future holds for some of those players. They gave their valid uh, criticism towards the Devils. They also talked about what could potentially happen after the trade deadline or come the offseason. So these players are still technically on borrowed time. However, their borrowed time has been extended since the trade deadline is now over. So some of these players that were on the trade block for the Devils were Jimmy BC, Pavel Zaka, Ty Smith, Andreas Janssen, P.K. Subban, Mackenzie Blackwood, and Damon Severson. So some of these players are more likely to be moved than others, but then you got to focus on people like Jimmy VC and P.K. Subban who only have one year left on their contract, which is this season. So there is a chance that the New Jersey Devils might not resign them. And also you got someone like Pavel Zaka who has been in the mix of trade discussions. However, it can't just be Pavel Zaka and a centerpiece deal. It has to be Pavel Zaka and a few other players, maybe like Ty Smith, a draft pick, whatever the case might be. Some players that came to mind were the Vancouver Canucks players, uh, Connor Garland, Brock Besser. But needless to say, I think Pavel Zaka, he is the most likely to be moved by the Devils come the offseason just because I think uh, Pavel Zaka has just run out of time in terms of just trying to prove that he belonged and maybe uh, trading him last year could have been a, a better solution because hindsight is always twenty twenty. but usually for someone like Pavel Zaka who is disappointed so far in his career, maybe now was the not the right time to keep him on board. We should have just traded him last year when he was having that career year, but we'll talk more about that momentarily. Let me give you guys my opinion as to what the Devils should do come the offseason. So obviously my stance doesn't really change. We're not really in a position to be sellers, but we're in a position to make our team better, if that makes sense. So we don't need to tank to get a high draft pick. We're kind of past that. We have a lot of players who were drafted relatively high and a lot of players who have a lot of potential to do something great with our organization when their time comes. So some players that come to mind, look what Jack Hughes has been able to do. Look what Nico Heizer has been able to do. Two former first overall picks, and they're starting to find their stride in New Jersey. You already got Nico Heizer, who's been to an all-star game. Jack Hughes uh, participated in this uh, year's all-star game just a few weeks ago. And then you got someone like Alexander Holtz tearing it up in Utica. Then you got Dawson Mercer, albeit he's not going to win the Calder Memorial Trophy, and he's kind of fallen out of it ever since, uh, like I'd say, December or January, whatever the case might be. But he's still a relatively good player, and he has a lot of upside, and the, the future is bright for him. And uh, my stance doesn't really change on what he could do to our organization because one of the reasons why I said that Dawson Mercer would make the team over Alexander Holtz at the beginning of the year was just because Dawson Mercer was making certain plays that you just cannot teach. It's either you got it or you don't, and I think this kid has got it. So Dawson Mercer, obviously a young up and coming, and I think he could do a lot of great things. And then, you know, the Devils were able to bring up uh, A.J. Greer and also Kevin Ball from Utica. So we've kind of reached the point where uh, we, we start to bring some of these young guys up from Utica, give them a chance to get some NHL reps and get their feet wet, whatever the case might be. Just let them ease back into the Devils rotation and prepare them for next season. So I don't think the Devils have given up this year because they're still very competitive and they still can compete with some of the top teams in the NHL when they're on one or when they take their uh, secret stuff in the water bottle before the game. But still, I believe the Devils have a lot of upside. This is not a repeat of last year, but it's still time to bring up some of those guys from Utica and just give them a chance and just see 
what they could do uh, on our roster. So bringing up uh, Greer and also uh, Ball is something I forgot to mention on yesterday's episode. So just uh, better late than ever. But overall, Devils have a lot of upside, but we are in a position to possibly make our team better. But you got to trade these players when their uh, trade stock is still relatively high. So Obviously, like I said, VC and Subban are in different positions because they're assigned to one-year deals. And you got Andreas Janssen. He's signed for this year and then next year. Damon Severson, uh, he's got this year and then next year as well. And then Severson is eligible to get an extension. But it's just like, you know, do we want to extend him or do we want to move on from him? You know, we, we've already used the example of Pavel Zaka. Maybe you should trade someone when their stock is relatively high. And look at Kyle Palmieri, for example, doing terrible for the New York Islanders. And we were able to get a first-round pick for him. So, you know, there, there's something like that. Trade someone when their value is still relatively high. So we'll talk more about that in a second. I'll go over each player, and I'll give you guys my opinion as to what the Devils should do with that respective player. But first, it is time for the first live read this morning, and it comes from a partner uh, that has a product that I use literally every day. It is called Athletic Greens. So I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to be happier. My body is a temple, and I got to treat it like it. I also have trouble sleeping at night, and I just need energy to get me through the day. So Athletic Greens was the stuff for me. So what is in it, you might be asking? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamin, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. So if you want to look happier, healthier, and also younger, Athletic Greens is a thing for you. So like I said, the reason I consume it is just because I want to be happier, I want to be healthier, have trouble sleeping at night, and I'm a very busy person between school, podcasting, uh, social life, whatever the case might be. Uh, also, I do some other work. As you guys know, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a play-by-play announcer. So I definitely need a lot of energy to get me through the day. And sometimes it involves me getting a little less sleep. So Athletic Greens was definitely a lifesaver. So here's the thing about Athletic Greens. It's a lifestyle that's friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good, supports better sleep quality and recovery, supports mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing that is great about Athletic Greens. It uses the best of the best products based on the latest science and with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So right now, today, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. My mom loves it, and you are definitely going to love it yourself. And now, the second live read comes from our friends at betonline.ag. And for that person who bet 150k on the Rangers to beat the Devils. I really hope you're recovering well. So, by the way, I hope your brackets are doing relatively well still. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. I'm going to the Final Four in New Orleans next week. So, from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website 
website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Okay, let's get back to our offseason discussion about the New Jersey Devils and what I think the future holds for some of the players on our roster. So first and foremost, let's look at Jimmy VC. So Jimmy VC, I believe, was a surprising pickup for us because the Devils originally signed like three or four players to PTO deals. And I predicted on the show, I said none of these players have any chance of making the team. Jimmy VC made the team and he's been quite the surprise for the Devils. Like he's nothing spectacular. Like he's not going to like, you know, light up the scorebook or anything. But here's a couple of fun facts for you guys. So uh, who do you think leads the New Jersey Devils in takeaways this year currently? So you would say Jack Hughes, Dawson Mercer, maybe even Sharon Govich, Heizer, Zaka, whatever the case might be. No, it is actually Jimmy VC, and he leads it by a decent amount. So according to StatMuse.com, Jimmy VC has 52 takeaways for the Devils this season. Second to him is Jack Hughes with 43, and then Dawson Mercer with 43 as well. So Jimmy VC is leading the takeaway category for the New Jersey Devils by a decent margin. And what did I say at the beginning of the year when Jack Hughes got hurt? I said the takeaway category is going to hurt the Devils just because Jack Hughes was dominating in that uh, sort of stat and Jimmy VC is right now taking the crown uh, for best takeaway player, I guess if you want to call it, on the Devils, and he's leading it by a decent margin. So uh, another thing about Jimmy VC, and another reason why I think you know teams may have been a little curious about him. I don't think they were picking up the phone for him per se, but I'm sure that they were. It's like you know he's pretty good on the penalty kill, and this is like a low risk, high reward kind of thing because Jimmy VC is 28 years of age. He signed to a one-year contract. He's cheap and he's expendable. So it's just like, if I'm a contending team and I'm in need of some help on the PK, I'm definitely questioning for the services of Jimmy VC with Tom Fitzgerald. But then again, it's kind of a player that falls under the radar. So, and I think that's perfect for the New Jersey Devils. So what do I think the Devils should do uh, this offseason with Jimmy VC? I believe they should sign him to another one-year deal and just see how he does. So maybe a one-year deal or a two-year deal and just see what he could uh, just do on a roster because, like I said, he's leading uh, the Devils in the takeaway category. He's very good on the PK, and I just feel as though with Jimmy VC, it's a diamond in the rough, and he just fits the mold as a Devils player, which is someone who is not good, but when he's good, he's damned good. So I think Jimmy VC is someone who should stick around on a roster for at least one or maybe two years if you want to push it just a little bit. Now, let's look at Pavel Zaka, and this is an interesting one because – I really thought the Devils would try to move him at the trade deadline, but I don't think a lot of people are, you know, curious about the services of Pavel Zaka. So this is the final year of his contract, and then he's going to become a restricted free agent. So what does that mean? Well, uh, it means that, you know, it's not like he's an unrestricted free agent, so it's not like he's, like, totally off the leash. So the Devils still have somewhat control. What they could do is similar to what the Vancouver Canucks might have to do with Brock Besser because Brock Besser is said to be a restricted free agent uh, this offseason as well. You you try to convince him to do a sign-and-trade, whatever the case might be. But I think Pavel Zaka, I think uh, worse comes to worse, I think the Devils will re-sign him to like a two- or three-year deal and just uh, it, it won't be expensive. I don't think teams are going to be picking up the phone for Pavel Zaka. But like I said, I think the Devils have to do whatever it takes to re-sign Zaka and do a sign-and-trade and add a player or a draft pick, whatever the case might be. So that way we could try to get a better return package just because I think Pavel Zaka, I, I think his best year was last year. And overall, he has just proven that uh, he, he is just not going to, you know, get better. I was very patient with Pavel Zaka. I really was. Like, during the course of the offseason, I even wrote an article about it. I said, your apology to Pavel Zaka needs to be 
just as high as your hate. But this season, he has appeared in 56 games. He has 13 goals, 15 assists for a grand total of 28 points. And he has a plus minus of negative 17. To put his uh, career year, if you want to call it, into better perspective, he appeared in 50 games and he had 17 goals, 18 assists for a grand total of 35 points. And he led the Devils in that statistical category alongside with Miles Wood. But the fact of the matter is that's not really a high amount of points for a team because I think Pavel Zako is like in the low 90s in terms of overall rankings in the league for most points. So that's kind of sad that our leading points getter was like in the bottom 90s in the entire league. So I'm just saying like just putting that into better perspective. So like, yes, it was a career year for Pavel Zaka. He was able to get a career high in goals. He was able to uh, get his second career high in assists because the season prior, 2019-2020, he was able to have 24. But at the end of the day, it's just like Pavel Zaka, he is just like below mediocre. Like, I'm not even going to say like he's an average player. He's just below mediocre. And unfortunately, he just hasn't amounted to what we expected from him. So I think it's time to move on from Pavel Zaka and see what he could potentially uh, offer us in return in the trade market. So if I'm the Devils this offseason, you need to inquire of other teams like, hey, what can I get uh, if I give you Pavel Zaka, maybe Ty Smith or a draft pick, which leads me to my uh, next talking point, which is Ty Smith. So what should the Devils do with Ty Smith? Well, I don't think they should like shop him or anything. I just think like, you know, if it's a trade package deal like uh, Pavel Zaka, maybe add Ty Smith to the mix just to sweeten the deal. Because let's face it, out of all of our young guys, which player are you willing to part ways with? Are you willing to part ways with Alexander Holtz, Kevin Ball, Dawson Mercer, Luke Hughes? Are you, are you willing to part with any of those players? The answer is absolutely 100% no. But with Ty Smith, despite him being in the running for the Calder Memorial Trophy last season, this season has not been good for Ty Smith. At one point during the first half of the year and at one point during the second half of the year, not too long ago, he had to be a healthy scratch. So I think he's gotten underneath the skin of a lot of uh, Devils fan base. And, you know, I think they're starting to lose patience in his ability. So maybe uh, just trying to see what Ty Smith is worth in the, in the market isn't the worst idea in the world. Just Make sure it's not just a centerpiece deal. Make sure you add Ty Smith to something else. So like Pavel Zaka, whatever the case might be. So, you know, I don't think the return package for like a centerpiece that involves Ty Smith is going to be high. In fact, I know it's not going to be high. So that's why you got to try to manipulate it. You got to try to beat the odds a little bit. You got to add Ty Smith to another player. So that way the package in return seems a little bit better. Now, Here's Andreas Janssen. So Andreas Janssen is signed to this season and next season. The thing is, we were talking a lot about Andreas Janssen at the beginning of the year because his season last year with the New Jersey Devils, god awful. And I think, and that's me putting it nicely. Like he was not a, a good fit for the team. And it just didn't seem like he, he was, uh, you know, the 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 player I was expecting from the Toronto Maple Leafs because he put up pretty decent numbers one year while he was playing for the Leafs, albeit he was around uh, more talented players. But at the same time, I expected a bit better from Andreas Janssen. And uh, during the second half of the year, I mean, he's had his moments. He was able to get an assist in the Rangers game and then the Oilers game. But for the most part, it's just like sometimes I just forget about his overall contribution, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of people can attest to that because he's like wildly inconsistent because like from March 6th through uh, March 15th, he didn't have a single point. Like, and, and that's a, 
that's like a two-week period in which he puts up nothing but zeros, and his plus-minus was like either one, negative one, or zero. So sometimes you forget that he's on the rink and not really making a true impact. Like I said, he was big for us during the first half of the year, and he was actually proving that you know he, he is uh, improved from last season. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him because this season is definitely much better improved from Andreas Janssen because this season he appeared in 59 games. He had 11 goals, 19 assists for a grand total of 30 points. And, uh, you know, if, if he's able to finish off strong, he can top his career high with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, during his rookie season in which he appeared in 73 games. He had 20 goals, 23 assists for a grand total of 43 points and a plus minus of plus 14. So I'm, I'm not saying that Andreas Janssen is a bad player. It's just that, you know, maybe you just try to see uh, what other teams might feel from him just like you know put it put it out there just a little bit more because I think Andreas Janssen can contribute to a contending team just a little bit so Andreas Janssen I, I feel as though that's a diamond in the rough for New Jersey to work with but I was hearing reports that maybe the Boston Bruins the Edmonton Oilers they might be interested in a player like Andreas Janssen but the thing it's sort of like a Ty Smith kind of situation where you're gonna have to add in another player and Andreas Janssen is just gonna have to be sort of that throw-in player so once again don't try to shop out Andreas Janssen as a centerpiece deal because the return package will not be high I'm not willing to trade Andreas Janssen for like what like a third round draft pick if that because I remember talking to my colleague of Locked On Oilers he said that he was not willing to trade Andreas Johnson for a first round draft pick. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I was just, you know, putting it out there, just seeing what we could potentially get because the Oilers are in a better position than the Devils. Just just putting that out there. So we'll talk about P.K. Subban. We'll talk about Mackenzie Blackwood momentarily because I think those two players are some of the more controversial players on the team just because uh, I might have a difference of opinion as to how we can handle their situations. I'll talk about that in a second. But first, I need some energy, guys, like I said, with the first library with Athletic Greens. So you know what else I'm going to take? I'm going to take a Built Bar. So this is a time of year that I pretty much have given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you ever tried the Puss? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting protein bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite flavors. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. A typical candy bar could be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you'll be blown away. Look at this. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it, and it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. I don't know how they do it, but somehow, someway, Built Bars always find a way to get their product out there, and it tastes delicious. So the offer is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 50% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, let's talk about P.K. Subban and Mackenzie Blackwood, shall we? So let's start with Subban because uh, Tom Fitzgerald confirmed that he doesn't really have much interest in signing Subban to an extension. So 
I get that, but at the same time, it was just like, I think it was a warning to P.K. Subban and his entire camp that he might be dealt away come the trade deadline, but I made the prediction, and my prediction came correct, albeit I don't think it was that big of a prediction, but I just said, expect for P.K. Subban to remain in a Devils uniform for the rest of the year, because I don't think uh, Todd Fitzgerald will be able to find a suitor for the services of P.K. Subban just due to his contract and just that his production is just not really there like it used to be in years past. And, you know, albeit I know P.K. Subban is on the other side of his better days, but he is improving with the Devils and I got to give credit when credit is due. But here's my thing about P.K. Subban. I am willing to bring him back for a couple more years. I believe uh, the Devils should have someone like P.K. Subban in their locker room. They should have someone like that on their uh, bottom four defense. And I feel as though just P.K. Subban being on the organization makes the Devils a little bit better. I get it. That's a little bit of a controversial take, but I'm open to bring P.K. Subban back for a couple more seasons. That's just my stance on it. I feel like he's improving. I feel like you know, the younger guys do listen to him. It's great to have that uh, veteran leadership in our locker room. And I think P.K. Subban being a former Norris Trophy winner, I would love to have that on my team. Maybe he could uh, give Dougie Hamilton some pointers if, if that makes sense. Now, let's talk about Damon Severson. So if you guys remember my talk with Christy Flannery uh, on St. Patty's Day, I talked about how Damon Severson was kind of on the uh, trading block, but she said that she believes that Damon Severson is one of our best defensemen on the roster. Now, regardless of what you think of, of her opinion on Damon Severson, here's the facts. Damon Severson leads the team for time on the ice. He averages about 23 minutes and 32 seconds of ice time. So, you know, Damon Severson is going to be given a good chunk of playing time for Tom Fitzgerald and this entire organization. So he is signed for this year and next year. So my thing for Damon Severson is just like, you know, maybe take your time, maybe see like where your headspace is at. He's a good leader. He's a good player on the offensive side of things for a, a blue line defenseman. And I just feel as though that maybe uh, having Damon Severson on our roster isn't the worst idea in the world. But then again, what scares me is that he is due for an extension when he turns 29 come the 2023-2024 season. So what do we do during the 2023 offseason when he's an unrestricted free agent? We were unable to trade him or we decided to keep him around and we're just going to wait until the offseason and see what happens. That's what concerns me, but at the end of the day, Damon Severson is a pretty good player for us, and, you know, he does make a few boneheaded mistakes, but he usually redeems himself, and I can't fault him for that. So uh, the thing with Damon Severson is that I I think him being a good leader and him getting a good chunk of ice time really says something about his character and what he brings to the roster. But overall, I think Damon Severson is going to remain on this team, and we'll see what happens at the trade deadline next year, I don't think uh, Tom Fitzgerald will move Damon Severson unless he is offered something that he can't refuse. So once again, if Damon Severson is able to be a centerpiece for a trade and you're able to add in Ty Smith or Andreas Janssen or maybe a draft pick, then, you know, see what the return package is. If it's someone that can help us in the future, then by all means go nuts because we do have another great defenseman in the uh, pipelines for the Devils, you know. Uh, someone I also talked about uh, on this show, uh, I believe last year, a lot last season, was uh, Riley Walsh. I believe he could be the next Adam Fox just because he was Fox's teammate at Harvard. So just putting that out there, but digressing a little bit, I think Damon Severson will not be dealt during the offseason. I think he'll remain on the roster and the Devils will see uh, come the trade deadline next year to see what the next step is for him, see where his headspace is at, see if maybe they could come to an agreement on an extension. But whatever the case might be, I think Damon Severson is going to remain on this organization uh, past the offseason. Now, 
Final one, Mackenzie Blackwood. What's going to happen to Big Mac? Okay, so the thing is, is that Mackenzie Blackwood's career is kind of going on the same trajectory as Corey Schneider, which is he's being overworked. His value is going down. His numbers don't seem to get any better. And it just seems as though like he's stuck in neutral. And for every step forward he takes, he takes two steps backwards. So my thing with Mackenzie Blackwood is, look, I get he's switching agents. That's usually never a good sign. But I don't think the Devils will trade uh, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood first chance they get. Maybe they'll hear an offer here and there. But I don't think it's in their best interest to trade Mackenzie Blackwood and just... um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to benefit the Devils at all. So my thing is, is just like, you know, uh, don't do anything that you might regret. Don't make an emotional decision. And the thing with Mackenzie Blackwood is that he is signed to this year and next year. So if I'm the New Jersey Devils, uh, change needs to happen to benefit Blackwood's career because it is on the same path as Corey Schneider. So you need to shop, 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 find, find, find a backup goalie, a decent backup goalie. For Mackenzie Blackwood, make Jonathan Bernier the third string goalie and find another backup. There, I said it because uh, the system that they have right now is just way too risky. There's no guarantee that um, that that Jonathan Bernier will be back next season for the New Jersey Devils. So my thing is, is like to help Mackenzie Blackwood to help benefit his career. I think it's in your best interest just to find another backup goalie and move Jonathan Bernier to the third position. And then we'll, we'll go from there because my, my thing is like Mackenzie Blackwood cannot have the same type of career as Corey Schneider. It, it can't happen. Okay. Mackenzie Blackwood. I have not given up hope on him. I get he's frustrated. I'd be frustrated too. The devils have done a crap job of just uh, handling his heel situation. And it's one of the reasons why he is set to miss the remainder of this season. However, uh, Lindy Ruff did say that he does anticipate for Mackenzie Blackwood to maybe return at some point during this season. But I would say don't rush it. There's really no reason to. I think we could save face with Hammond. But whatever the case and whatever might happen, I feel as though Mackenzie Blackwood does deserve better from the Devils organization and change does need to happen. So let me know what you guys think. And I went over my list of players that uh, were on the trade block for the Devils and some players who are on borrowed time. Should we resign them? Should we give them another chance? Should we try to trade them, shop them, whatever the case might be? So let me know what you guys think. I, this episode was actually very fun to do. So send me a list of other players that you think are on borrowed time for the Devils or maybe some players that you think we should handle in the future. Love doing these types of episodes because uh, you know I'm able to base everything off this season and years prior and also see what the future holds in terms of their contracts. So let me know what you guys think. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment below. I'm 19 subscribers away from 100, and you have until April 1st to get me to 100, and maybe I'll do a giveaway. Just putting that out there. So if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment below of some players that you think are on borrowed time for the Devils. Do you agree with my stance? Do you disagree? I'm curious to hear your guys' trade package or whatever uh, might happen to any respective players. And if you are listening on a podcast streaming service, hit me up on my personal Twitter page, at TreyMat4. As for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you guys. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening once again.